0: Ecclesiastes chapter 9.
1: This is Ecclesiastes 9:11 through 10:7. Again I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong nor bread to the wise nor riches to the intelligent nor favor to those with knowledge but time and chance happen to them all for man does not know his time like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man And he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler, Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed be his name. Father, I pray over our minds and hearts this morning that we would be open and ready to hear from you, your instruction, your truth, your freedom, your goodness, your love, your faithfulness. Your steadfast love covers the earth, covers every single step we take. I praise you for that, Jesus. And I thank you for how you have drawn each of us here. Draw us to your word. Draw us to you, your very heart. And I pray, God, that we would leave here different than when we walked in. Um, Give us ears to hear Greg. I bless him. I, I thank you for your anointing on his life and how he shares um, your truth with us, and I thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Mindy. Maybe seated. Older kids, you can or children overall, you guys can uh, go to the back if you so desire, and um, and then we have a nursing room uh, in the hallway over here if if you need that as well. This is going to be our last week of streaming online while we're in service together, and so. Um, Next week, we will um, be posting online our service about an hour or two after we're done. And so if you're sick or you need to uh, participate with us through that medium, then uh, you can do that uh, later on in the afternoon. The reason for that is we're going to be streaming to classrooms uh, so that uh, workers and kids can participate with us in the back as well as uh, to the nursing room over here. So we're, uh, we're... Getting close, guys. We're getting close to the end of Ecclesiastes, and um, the wisdom of Solomon is 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 uh, moving moving forward and almost almost to the close. And uh, today we are talking about the ruin of wisdom and the reward of the wise. Okay, the ruin of wisdom and the reward of the wise. Now, from the outset, you may ask. If uh, the the wise are rewarded, then how is wisdom ruined? And these are these are meant to be in conflict with one another, because the whole base of this passage is the limitations of wisdom. Solomon has been building up to this point, all talking about wisdom and talking about how to live wisely under the sun. And today we see that wisdom is not God. God is wise, but we do not associate wisdom with God. If we say anything, quote-unquote, is God, that's breaking a command of idolatry. And so we're recognizing the limitations of human wisdom in this. And so Solomon is is going to be displaying the ruin of wisdom, and yet the the reward of the wise, that the, the wise person is rewarded. And the question I'm going to ask you at the end of this, that I want you to be thinking about throughout the whole thing is, who gives the reward? Who gives the reward to the wise? Man or God? I was uh, sitting down this week, if you notice my haircut, thank you very much, it looks great, and um, I was sitting down this week with uh, my Supercuts barber. I've tried cut a lot of different barbers at Supercuts and uh, haven't found my niche yet, but uh, she was great. She was a young woman um, who had just moved here, uh, had been in Salt Lake for three weeks, and um, she had been married for about a year, and, um, or she is married for a year uh, as far as I know. Um, and she, uh, we were just, you know, kind of small talk, barbershop kind of talk, and uh, I asked her, in my nature, I was like, so how's the first year been? Of your marriage, and there was a really long silence, and she's like, "It's been okay." And uh, is that an answer? Is she, she, she's giving me a lot more information than it's been okay, right? And uh, and and so we we as I began thinking about this passage, it's like what we have such expectations upon wisdom, we have such expectations of um, wanting to live in this wise way and that it should produce these amazing things and it should be blessed by God. And if we're faithful to God, then everything should be wonderful in our world. And it's not. And we have these expectations for her. She had this expectation of marriage that it was going to be this wonderful, glorious thing. and, and And it's not. I don't know her story. I don't, I don't know what, what is going on. It wasn't appropriate for me to ask. But there was a reality in which I was like, man, that's the, that's the reality that we face is that wisdom doesn't deliver sometimes. Wisdom fails. Wisdom is ruined in the brokenness of the world. So we're going to see the ruin of wisdom in three ways. Through time and chance, through the pride of men, and the efficiency of evil. Okay, and these are going to associate with how an emotion or something that we experience in the midst of this. Why does wisdom get ruined? We see these three things of time and chance, pride of man, and efficiency of evil. Look with me at verse 11 of chapter 9. Again, I saw under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. So Solomon's basically saying, hey, you can be the strongest person in in the competition and lose. You can be the fastest in the race and lose. You can be the greatest warrior and lose. You can be the most intelligent and not have bread. You can be the most wise and still fail. Why? Because time and chance happen to them all. That is a limitation in which we experience. For man does not know his time. So not only time and chance happen, but we don't know what's to come. Like fish that are taken an evil net, birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. You catch that word suddenly. It's like, hey, yeah, we're going about our business and boom, time and chance. It's like playing the stock market. I was really doing good on the stock market, and then I was off about two weeks. And, you know, it didn't turn out super great. So I said, I've tried to play the stock market probably uh, five times in the last 15 years. And this time I was like, I'm done. No more. Time and chance happen to us all. We don't know what will come. Uh, I was seeing on the news the other day that... um, Somebody bought Tom Brady's uh, football, the, the, the last football throw. I pass? Yeah. Um, I'm a football guy, don't worry. And uh, for 518,000 dollars, 24 hours later, he unretires. Twenty-four hours. Talk about investment. Talk about, man, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. I, I, got, I got this figured out. He's retired. No, with Tom Brady, you never know. Um, but man, you never know. There is no man who knows. No man. Time and chance happen to us all. They, they, as I read this, this, this passage, that there's this feeling of frustration. There's this frustration that happens with, like, man, can I not just get ahead I'm going to prepare. I'm going I'm to do all that I can do. I'm going to work out my strongest. And, and yet somebody else wins? That's a little bit frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm going to train for years and years and years and years and then get to the Olympics and test positive for COVID even though I have no symptoms. That's frustrating. And that is part of the curse that we live in that this toiling over bread, man, we were not created to toil inefficiently. We were not created to toil without producing results. And so when the results aren't produced, it's a little bit frustrating. This is part of the curse that as is, that is God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden, he said, it's by the sweat of your face that you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. The, the, the field is going to produce thistles and thorns, and it's going to be a toil upon you. Man, time and chance happen. We don't know what is going to happen, and so it's frustrating. We see in verse 13, I have seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it. A great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. There was found in it a poor wise man, and he, and he, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. You, you catch the, the tension in this passage that the, the, this poor wise man goes against this great powerful king, and the poor wise man delivers the city, and yet what happens? What happens? He's despised and unheard and not remembered by any. The pride of man <laughs> is this tricky thing that the, the, our pride brings us to a point of, of rejecting the goodness of wisdom because, in some ways, we, we want our own life. I think about the, the city being delivered, and, and, yet, and they don't honor this guy. They don't listen to this guy. Maybe they wanted to be besieged. Maybe they wanted to live in ruin. Is that that a reality for us in our lives where sometimes we want to go after sin and even though it's destructive for us? We don't want to listen to wisdom. I think about this poor wise man though and I'm like, man, if I'm a wise man in the city um, and I know I'm going to be rejected and despised and unheard and unremembered, would I deliver the city? I ask you. If you could deliver a city through wisdom that God has given you, and yet you were despised for it? Your own hometown, would you do it? That reveals pride in me, because I'm like, Ew. I'd like to say, my, my spirit is saying yes, my flesh is saying no. <laughs> the pride of man is real, and it produces this idea of failure. This, this, this sense of like, man, we delivered the city, but, but did this guy really win? Did it, was he successful? Not, not to the city's eyes, not to his friend's eyes. And I think about that, that reality, the ruin of wisdom that, that it, it fails in certain circumstances. It doesn't produce the results that we want. The efficiency of evil in verses 17 The words of the wise are heard in quiet. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. This is essentially saying that that the 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 ends don't justify the means. Okay, we can we can have this reality of, of we're gonna we're gonna shout and we're gonna be powerful, and and yet, does it produce the results that we want? Wisdom is better than weapons of war. I don't know about you, but if I'm in a war, I want a weapon. But this is saying, wisdom is better than weapons of war. What happened to Ukraine? They gave up their weapons. Man, there, there's a piece of me that, that in the, 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 the wisdom of God is this, this great... Um, Elevation, this great reality that, like, man, we want to attain, we want to, we want to live towards. But it, is it hard in the world? Is it hard when it's, we're, we're just deluged with the brokenness of life? Look, look at verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. How many? One. That's what you call efficient. Right? That's what you call efficiency. Do we live in a world of efficiency? Yep. If I can tell you one person can destroy a whole lot of good, man, I want that kind of power. I want that kind of success. Look at this verse 10, or chapter 10 verse one. "Dead flies make the perfume's ointment give off a stench, and folly outweighs wisdom and honor." This is all about the ruin of wisdom. You see this this perfumer, he's working tirelessly to, to perfect this. And yet, one or two flies ruins the whole thing. Folly outweighs wisdom and honor. There's an imbalance here. There's an imbalance of life that, as we seek wisdom, it doesn't deliver reminded of James chapter 2 and the reality of this, and we talk about the law of God and the, the, the law of this balance that we, we strive to attain, and it says this in James chapter 2, verse 8. Just listen. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin. And are convicted by the law as a transgressor. For whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, becomes guilty of it all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you don't commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. This, in some ways, we can look at it of like, man, the ruin of wisdom and wisdom doesn't deliver. But in some ways, this is the wisdom of God. That God is not interested in our sense of efficiency. God isn't interested in our sense of success. He's not interested in our controlling time and chance. He's interested in In his righteousness being fulfilled in the earth. And so the sufficiency of evil in this can create this futility. And so we see this this reality that that the end of of the passage that we're reading in chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, that that you see the rich in the low place and the, the wise um, the, the princes are, are walking as slaves and the, the fools are on horses. And these stations of life, these, these parts of life that, that man, man, this looks successful. But in the wisdom of God, it's completely the opposite. And so we see the ruin of wisdom in time and chance. In frustration. That it's frustrating that we can't get ahead. All that we can work for is tossed aside. But the pride of man produces this sense of failure. It's like, man, I can't win. I can deliver a city and they still hate me. An efficiency of evil, of the, the futility, the meaninglessness of life. I'm like, man, I can be a prince and I can walk like a slave. Like, well, who Who cares? Wisdom is ruined. And this all comes f- to the reality that God yet rewards the wise. God yet rewards the wise. And so we see in a flip of interpreting this passage, we're going to go back through this passage, but, but see it from the idea that God is the one who's in control. God is the one who commands how we are to live. I'm going to trip over that. And God is the one who commissions us into purpose in our life. Okay, That that God is the one who overall gives these things so that we might live fully and under his rule and reign, under his reward of the wise. Again, look at verses 11 through 12. Specifically, verse 12, for man does not know his time. We look at this reality that, that God does know his time. That God is the only one who knows the time and the place that will occur. We read in Ecclesiastes 3 a couple a couple weeks ago that, that that this business that God has given man, that that all these seasons of life, and the whole point of the seasons of life was all about God's control over everything. That let's just all agree that I don't know what's going to happen in the next minute. I can be strong and healthy, because I am, but I could drop dead. One of you could walk out and get a phone call, a joyful one or a sorrowful one. We don't know what, is to, what happens, but God does. God is never changing. God is faithful. As I was thinking about this, the word hesed came to, came to, to mind for me of like, man, how do I, how do I capture the reality that God is f- f- faithful forever? Is this idea. It's like his hesed. <laughs> sorry, his steadfast love forever and ever. He never changes. He is the same. And as much as I experience the brokenness of like, oh, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, what's going to happen? I don't know. But God does. God does. We've used this prayer a couple times um, you know, every every few days with our family, it's a historic prayer that's recognized by the global church, and it, it says this, Be present, O merciful God. Protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and chances of this life may rest in your eternal changelessness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In a season in which Man, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of wonderings. There's a lot of of chances that I don't have answers to and and questions that I want answered. I can rest that he is unchanging and that that he is changeless. And he remains forever. Even Jesus didn't know when he was going to return. He still doesn't. As he replied to his disciples in Mark 13 that, that no one knows the day or the hour in which the Son of Man returned. The disciples were saying, Jesus, tell us, tell us when is this going to happen? When is your kingdom going to come fully? Jesus said, I don't know. But the Father does. And that can bring peace and life to a wearied soul who's trying to control their life, that there's a sense of stability and security in the fact that God ordains all things. Amen? So the control of God brings peace. Rather than frustration, we get peace. We get this, this sense that he's the one in charge, he's the one in control. What about God's commands? Let's look at verses nine, or chapter nine, verses 13 through 16 again. I've seen this example, this, this wise man delivering the city. And, and what I, what I want to com- commend in this is, as much as the, my own pride would, would prevent me from serving in that way, or it, as much as the acceptance of my fellow men would, would motivate me to deliver the city, this is a picture of a man who lays down his life for a city that despises him. And in 16, wisdom is better than might. Solomon is saying, wisdom is better, guys. Wisdom is better, even though it doesn't look successful. Even though everybody's not going to appreciate it even though it's going to be misunderstood and rejected it's good it reminds me of a man who came to his own hometown and laid down his life that was despised and rejected As first peter 2 says jesus came to them a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. We, you, yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That that Jesus was able to As Justin talked about, uh, God's favor, God's smile is upon us, that Jesus was able to live with such authenticity and peace and pride. Not in a a glory sense, not in a self-exalting sense, not in a I'm going to fulfill my needs sense, but a pride of of heart in the Father's commands. That God commanded this, and so I'm going to obey No matter what, Jesus fulfilled this reality of being the chosen and precious one yet rejected and despised, mocked and cast aside. Jesus is the fulfillment of this wisdom because you and me, (laughs) I ain't strong enough for that. As much as I'm like, yeah, I don't really need people's praise. I'm like, man, sure nice. But Jesus was committed to that reality. Jesus was the fulfillment. Jesus was the personification, the perfection of wisdom that brought us peace, that brought us pride, that brought us joy in being able to live obediently, not for the success of men, but for the success of and wisdom, and joy, and delight of God. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. Beware. When Jesus says beware, that kind of means perk up. Okay? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Don't sound a trumpet, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Man. We are to heed the commands of our Lord in this wise reality that we can have pride, we can have um, enjoyment, we can have self-confidence, not because of our wisdom, but because of the commands of God. I'm not resting on my wisdom. I'm not resting on your wisdom because your praise is going to cast me aside. I'm depending on on God's commands and his wisdom because that's what's good. And then we can have the certainty of God's wisdom as he commands us to live. I'm going to invite uh, Joe and Heike up um, and their kiddos, um, Emma and Samuel, who are with them. Um, they are my illustration of this. Um, since they are serving um, a church in Germany, and Joe is the lead pastor there, and the church uh, basically serves missionaries that are all throughout Europe. and their children um, are part of a academy that are, that's there, and this church of um, among multiple denominations, multiple um expressions of of church um, are all united in one body um, and Joe leads them and so um, he is my spiritual father um. <laughs> uh, love man uh, love you um, and so I have great pride in uh, them being here but I um, yeah, as I was reading for, as I was preparing uh, for today, thank you, Justin, for John 15, uh, because that was a passage that came to mind for you guys. Um, and put it on the screen one more time, Philip, for me. Um, that John 15 that um, Jesus says, uh, I know to call, call you servants, but friends. And uh, for, I, for all that I have heard from you, my Father, I have made known to you. And so... Um, I just, I just want to spend some time praying for them, um, as it can be a lonely place where they are, and um, a lot of ministry to be done, a lot of pouring themselves out, in a lot of realities, but a lot of transients, we know about that, and um, a lot of people coming, to leave, coming in and out. And so, um, if you just extend a hand to pray that they would know the friendship of our Lord, that they would know... Um, the pride in which he sees them, not because of their wisdom or their um, fulfillment, but because of Christ, and uh, that they would have that peace and joy and life. And so just extend a hand, pray for them, and uh, I'm going to pray for them here in a minute. Lord, thank you for this family. Thank you for um, their time here in the States. Thank you for um, the time that they've had with friends and family. And Lord, I I pray um, that as they prepare to go back home, as they prepare to go back to Germany, Lord, that you would fill them with uh, your awe and wonder, that they would know your joy, That as Justin said earlier, Lord, that they would know that you are pleased, not because they're missionaries, not because they're pastors, not because uh, they're serving others, but because of Jesus and because of his righteousness, his spirit that indwells them, his peace that overshadows them, his comfort that leads them, his... um, passion that causes them to serve. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, fill them with your joy, fill them with your, uh, your pleasure, Lord. Thank you that you um, empower them, Lord. I pray that you would make their f- ministry fruitful. I pray that they would um, be steadfast and immovable in the work because of your goodness, Jesus. In your name we pray, and for your sake, Lord. Amen. So if you have any problems with me, talk to him. Um, so we, we can have this pride um, of, of heart. Does that make sense? A, a pride that's not about me, but a pride that's about the commands of God, right? Um, and so we, we now see this reality that... that That God then commissions us as he is in control, as he is ordaining all things. He's the one who is guiding, as Proverbs says, the the, the heart of the, the king is a river in the hands of God. That he is directing what is to happen. He gives us commands that we are to obey. Not the commands of my neighbor, but the commands of God. Ultimately, Jesus fulfills all of those and gives us commands to walk in. And now we're commissioned. We're commissioned to live in light of his rule, his reign, his kingdom, his world, and not mine. Verse 17 of chapter 9, words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better. They're better and the shouting of rulers. One sinner destroys how much good? How much good? Much. much. I ask you, is that a perfect balance? No. But as much good occurred? Yeah. Because good is ruined by this, the hands of one sinner, that doesn't make it futile. It doesn't make it purposeless. It doesn't make it meaningless. Why? Because God knows and God sees, and He will reward. He says it's good to deliver the city. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The fact that wisdom and honor still exist in this world is a miracle of God. That's not by your strength and mine. That's by the Spirit. That's by his grace and his kindness. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 13. Jesus tells a story and says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in the branches. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Jesus portrays the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign over the earth, not as efficiently, as making one decision and everything being great. Jesus actually was offered that option by the devil. And he could have bowed the knee to the devil and made all the world peaceful again. And he didn't. Because efficiency does not mean obedience. Efficiency. Jesus isn't very efficient in this. If you've ever worked bread, leaven um, is not something that you pour on and then be like have it in a bucket and just pour, it in, pour a little on and just leave it and it's great. You've got to like... <sighs> <sighs> you know, uh, we watched the Great British Baking Show. Everybody, and uh, there was a German guy. What was his name, Becca? Do you remember? Anyway, Jürgen. Yes, Jürgen. And he was like, he had the he had the perfect slap. He was like, <sighs> it was just like it was amazing. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that it has to be worked. It's unseen. It's not flashy or sexy or this awe inspiring reality, but it's faithful. And it does a magic that is beyond what you can see. I can't see it happening. And yet Jesus says, Oh, (laughs) you just wait. Because when my kingdom comes, all will be displayed. And so Jesus commissions us. I have this this idea, the parable of the talents. Jesus gives talents to people. And he he says, it's like a ruler going on a journey. He's giving talents to people to say, hey, work and, and be productive, do good, love your neighbor, love God, serve him. Be faithful at that and I'm coming back. He's entrusted to us work to be done. He's entrusted to you work to be done. Are you doing it? The work of prayer, the work of study, the work of change, the work of service, the work of love, the work of giving yourself, Because God gave himself for you. This work that we are to be done has a purpose. It's like raising children. Sometimes children are like, oh, thanks, Dad, for giving me bread to eat. Judah does that sometimes because he's awesome. (laughs) But typically it's not. They don't understand, and that's okay. Because God does. There's purpose in our being commissioned. So I want to I contrast these as I, as I wrap up here. Contrast these from the ruin of wisdom and the reward of the wise. It's a couple, couple slides ahead. There you go. Perfect. Thanks, Philip. We see this reality that, that in man's world, wisdom doesn't work. In man's world, wisdom fails. In man's world, wisdom isn't fun. Because time and chance, randomness of life are pretty frustrating, that I can be great and yet still fail, and one person can ruin a whole lot of good. But yet in God's world, in which he controls, he commands, he commissions, there is life. And so my question for each of you today, as I said that I would ask you at the beginning, whose reward are you going after? Who's going to reward you? Are you looking to the reward of men or the reward of God? Man, those kids are loud. (laughs) The reward of men will produce fruit. It will. You'll be praised by men, but it's not sufficient. It's kind of scary sometimes, but the reward of God is everlasting. I think about my barber, this young woman, and my heart breaks for her because I'm like she's trying to fulfill God's commands. She's she's living in obedience to the Lord by by getting married. I'm like, dude, kudos to you. Like she told me a little bit of her story with her her now husband and it's just I mean, man, the, the fact that they're pers- like in that relationship covenanted underneath God. I'm like, man, that's awesome. And yet I'm like hey, your husband isn't going to fulfill your expectations. You, you can live so wisely, but it's not going to, uh, I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry because there's a better husband. Because there's a better boss. There's a better president. There's a better world ruler. There's a better king who has come and given himself fully for you. Who has come. And even though you despised and misunderstood and rejected him, he still offers his hands out to you in love. His name is Jesus. And as Jesus is on the cross, he, he, he says, Father, forgive them. for They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Man, that's, that's a wisdom beyond what I can fathom. And the reward that Jesus was going after was not the reward of men, because he could have had that multiple times, but the reward of God. And God has exalted him above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, that, that Jesus will exalt us as his brothers, as his vice regents over the earth, and, and rule and reign on his behalf as we lay our crowns down, down at his feet. He will reward us. wise, if they live for him. I want to end with this passage in First Corinthians, and I feel like this sums up what I want to communicate, and uh, scripture says it better than me. And so I want to commend this to you in this picture that um, our work is not futile. Our serving the Lord, our trusting of him, our doing good to our neighbor, our, our exercise and our beating of our body to make it our slave, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, is not futile as we serve the Lord Christ. He says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. Okay, context, is that now? I mean, you may be imperishable, but I'm I'm surely not. Um, When the resurrection comes, when this imperishable reality puts on immortality, when the end of days in which Jesus comes back, when all things are going to be revealed, when we have resurrected bodies, yes, Lord, please, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Then shall come to pass. Not now. Then death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sing- sting? You can you can put in another word there. Don't do that because it's scripture. But like in your own interpretation, right? Like say, like, oh um, like doing good deeds, where is your victory? Well, it's not here now. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. That's real. We are under the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, because of Christ's victory, because of his coming again, because of his swallowing up all things, because of that, be steadfast, be immovable, be always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We toil in a broken world that doesn't produce the fruit of wisdom that we want to see. And yet in God's world, he will deliver. And our labor is not in vain because it is unto him. Not unto my glory or yours. So let us pursue our neighbors. Let us serve the broken. Let us love and work, not for our own glory, but for the glory of our Lord Christ, to whom, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory forever, world without end. Amen. Jesus, thank you that you are the King. Jesus, you are the King who was poor, and who was despised, and who was rejected. You came on a donkey, that children proclaimed your kingship, when your own hometown, when the rulers, when the surrounding authorities rejected you. Lord, I pray for strength. I pray for courage. I pray for a steadfastness of soul for my brothers and sisters. Lord, that in this place that is, I feel like the war is so present, Lord, that it's, it's hard to be obedient, it's hard to stay true, it's hard to serve, it doesn't seem like it's producing any fruit, Lord, this ground is hard, may we be sowing seed and tilling soil for you, Lord, for you And may you reward us as we trust you unto that day. Lord, let us say that, as Jesus perfectly said, "Not for my will, but yours be done, not what I want, but what you want, Lord. And we'll be obedient even unto that end. So thank you, Jesus that you fulfilled that for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you did that perfectly. Thank you, Jesus, that you're example. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, that I may have your righteousness and that perfection stamped upon me because of your deeds. Lord, may we live in obedience to you as a king. In Jesus'